So welcome to The Retirement Gym. Uh, this is the podcast series that aims to help you make good retirement decisions in the lead up to retirement and how to spend your money in retirement. My name is Roy Thompson. I head up MHA Carpenter Box Financial Advisors. And on today's show, I've got a gentleman with me, Jack Watkinson. Uh, Jack has just finished at the University of East Anglia, uh, where he did American studies with a year abroad, which sounds very exciting to me. Um, and I thought we'd have Jack on as a young saver, starting the process of saving into uh, a pension uh, and thinking about retirement, perhaps synonymous uh, younger savers with um, perhaps not saving enough uh, or not starting early enough in terms of pension savings. So I thought we'd find out a little bit about why that might be and ask Jack to bring in one of his own pension statements so we can talk through that help them understand it, and in doing so, um, maybe help you as listeners um, with your own pension statements. So hi, Jack. Thanks very much for, for coming on the retirement gym today. Hello. Thank you for having me. No problems at all. So uh, uh, the idea, maybe 20 minutes or so um, for us to talk through where you're at. I've asked you to bring along, which I think you've said you've done, uh, a statement regarding your own pension. I thought it might be quite interesting just to have a look at your statement uh, to, to perhaps be able to highlight some specific things that would be important to you on there. But before we get to that, Jack, perhaps you could tell us a little bit about what you know about pensions at the moment, where you're at, and perhaps your experience up to now regarding sort of retirement and the conversations you may have had in school, family, those sorts of things. All right, so I'm by no means an expert. Uh, what I do know is that I was auto-enrolled into a Scottish widow's pension yep. um, in my previous job. Okay, and that's the statement you've brought along Which today. is the statement I brought along today, yep. which we have a look through in a bit. But I know I was, uh, it was 10% of my salary each month, um, and that's just built a little pot um, sort of in my name that's been pushed aside, which I don't really think about that much. Okay. Um, generally, because I don't know much about it. Okay. Um, as you mentioned, going back to my education, you know, we were never taught this sort of stuff in school it was just you know after going to uni for four years and then starting my first job it was a case of just getting an email and opening it not really knowing what's happening but okay so, so you mentioned they're not something that uh, came up in education and if I think back to my own education certainly wasn't on the uh, agenda there what, what do you feel about that do you think it would have been useful I mean not just pensions but I guess finances in general what, what, what are your thoughts about uh, perhaps how we um, consider that for people going through sort of education? I think it would definitely be 100% beneficial, definitely in sort of secondary school, um, to have it as sort of a mandatory lesson, money management, financial advice, even just basic things like taxes and stuff, people don't really know what they're doing. Yeah. People sort of get to uni and it's the norm to you know, be in your overdraft and not really worry about consequences long term of how you're yeah. spending your money or dealing with your money. So I think 100%, yeah, yeah. it'd be great for young people to have more financial advice. Yeah, if uh, I didn't actually go to university, but if I had, I can imagine that... Uh, Just gets you into more debt. So. <laughs> yeah, it would be, uh, I would have enjoyed myself quite a bit and perhaps not worried about the money That's side sure, of yeah. things. So, which is exactly what happened to me. And if we think about, um, so if we think about the word pensions, uh, you know, in my mind, they're always synonymous with sort of being old, 
um, you, you know, perhaps a bit dull. How would, uh, prior to your notion of auto-enrolment that you said, uh, you know, if anyone was starting to talk about pensions, how would you have felt about that? Probably would have started to nod off or yeah. just not be interested at all because I was, um, you know, not that I was not interested, but because I was in, well, I'm 24 now, um, I still think of myself as very young, but yeah. especially when I was at uni, slash on my gap year before uni, I was saving up for things short term, so that just felt like a million miles away. Yeah, it's something that I would have to deal with for a long time. Yeah. So, and you mentioned about short term things, and I think again, I can have some sympathy because uh, you know, if you're looking at short term priorities, such as buying a house, starting up, perhaps traveling, as you mentioned there, yeah. you know, they're things that you can enjoy now. Yeah. Whereas retirement feels like some time away and sort of something you can save yeah. for later. And especially, I was yeah lucky enough to go traveling before I started my career. Yeah. Whereas my parents are thinking of retiring and going traveling then. Yeah. And they're building up to do that. Yeah. Whereas, you know, that's a different kind of a unique element of my sort of attitude towards yeah. retirement and pension planning potentially. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because uh, actually where we've got, uh, not just in this country, but internationally, longevity is increasing. Yeah. So, um, theoretically, if you wanted to retire at a traditional retirement age, let's call it 65, um, what, what you'd find is your life expectancy would be longer than your parents, theirs would be longer than their parents. Yeah. Uh, what that actually means is for, for, for younger people, uh, they have to save more than their parents did for, for a successful retirement. So, yeah. it, it, you know, it always seems strange to me that it's not on the agenda in education. And really, I guess the message is for younger people, the earlier they can start saving for retirement, the better it's going to be in the long run for them. Yeah. And we were looking just a short while ago at a chart that showed the benefit of uh, of starting saving early. So someone who saves from a younger age just for a shorter period of time, uh, when compared to someone who saves at a later age for a longer period of time, yeah. actually using some reasonable returns, they ended up with a pretty similar amount of capital at the end of that. So, and, and what it shows is the the, the benefits of um, you know compounded returns, which are which are really important in in building up wealth. So you've. Um, You've brought along your own statement, so yes. um, we don't have to talk about the, the amount in there, or you might feel happy to disclose that. Obviously, you've you not worked for very long, so yeah. we know it's not going to be hundreds of thousands of pounds, so to speak, no. but uh, uh, we wish it was, perhaps. But uh, should, should we have a little look at what yeah, you've got there? let's have a look at this. So... Um, for the for the benefit of those listening, I guess what we've got here is um, you know a document that sort of highlights as Jack referenced that it, his pension is with Scottish Widows, so that's just the name of the insurance provider who, who provides the contract. And I guess their role is to administer uh, Jack's pension, uh, reports to HMRC um, to ensure that any taxes that are due to Jack or vice versa are paid correctly. Uh, and also to ensure that they keep the money safe. So they're the custodian of the money. When we use the word money safe, that doesn't mean that it can't go down in value because traditionally a pension will invest money. What it means is that their objective is to, to, to place it, uh, act as the custodian to ensure that it's not embezzled or spent uh, inappropriately. So uh, it says there, Jack, workplace pension. What, what does that mean to you? 
workplace pension uh, means the amount I'm putting into my pension from my yeah. So, so a workplace pension is just a type of pension. It was introduced um, around 2011, 2012, when the government introduced auto enrolment. I guess the important things were that the government put in place uh, a series of um, directives, really, about how a workplace pension could work. Uh, there's a maximum level of charge that Scottish widows can levy for their role as administrator. Um, so the idea of that is that protects you as the consumer. Yeah. You can't be charged more, you know, an inappropriate amount of money. Uh, and they need to make sure that if ever you were to move that pension somewhere else, you're not going to suffer a copious penalty. So, um, and there's a range of other perhaps more technical issues uh, that sit behind a workplace pension, which are aimed at designing, protecting you as the, the, the end consumer. Um, so it's a good thing. A workplace pension is a good thing. Yeah. Um, it requires an employer to, to automatically enrol someone into the pension scheme when they join their workforce. So it's a form of forced saving, you could say. Um, soft compulsion. Soft compulsion. Yeah, yeah, that is the word that's sometimes used, uh, but principally driving people to try and save more towards their retirement. Yeah. As a nation, we're, we're under saving for, for retirement. So we've got the current value there. So um, I don't know if you want to tell us what, what, what that figure is. So uh, so it's £897.38. Yeah. I think that's actually gone up since the last month. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that wouldn't be unusual. That figure will change on a daily basis. So we can see here, we're looking at an online statement. Uh, and what we can see here is that that uh, says fund value as of the 13th of August, 2020. Yeah. So if we were to look, middle of next week that figure would be slightly different again yeah and that's because your money is invested so it can go up and down on a daily basis as, as i say so we've got a current value there of just short of 900 pounds ready to retire now. <laughs> uh, and if we were to retire on that of course um and spread that out over the rest of your life you can imagine you'd be talking about having a few pence per month to live on so uh what, what we know already is that in order for us to enjoy our retirement we're probably gonna have to build on that number it's a reasonable uh, position uh, the next thing on there it says fund holdings under the fund holdings it's got um a fund name units unit price current value again which of that or what of that information do you feel might be important to you because the industry uses a lot of jargon what of that do you think is important to you um the value i'm not i'm not 100 sure yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not 100% sure. Obviously, the value is something to do with stocks and them going up. But yeah, if you yeah. advise me on that. So, uh, so the value is obviously just where you're at at the moment. I guess an important thing um, or where you should start looking is the fund that you've got. So the fund name, uh, so it says Pension Portfolio 2. Um, that's just a name for something. Uh, what it really, what you really need to start looking at is what that means for you. So if we were to click into uh, what that fund is, what we can start to see here is we pull up a fact sheet, which has got even more information, which is, uh, <laughs> I don't know, uh, the first thing that we've got on there is what we call an asset allocation. So uh, again, a piece of jargon. Uh, I would say certainly for youngsters, or in fact, people of all ages, uh, this is the most important thing to be looking at when you start looking at your pension statement. 
because the asset allocation really means where your money is invested. Uh, and we start to see words like equities, which are is stock market, stocks and shares, as you would think of it. And we start to see words like fixed interests and corporate bonds. Um, and these are different forms of investment. So stocks and shares tend to be slightly more higher risk and corporate bonds and fixed interest investments tend to be lower risk. Uh, there's variances to the theme, but as a broad statement, that, that would be correct. Um, so what we know is if we start to look at that asset allocation, the more you have in equities or stocks and shares, it could be argued that you're taking more risk. Yeah. Uh, and if we start to look at risk, the more risk that we take, what it means is over the long run, we might hope to get a better return uh, in exchange for the risk that we're taking. Certainly a better return than just simply leaving your money in the bank or the building society. Um, and at the opposite end of the scale, if we look at something that's very low risk, well, we, our investments are unlikely to fluctuate too much in value, um, but they certainly won't go up uh, in value by much. And an ultimate form of that would be something like a bank account, where currently we might get court represent interest, but of course our money can never go down. So right. very, very, very low risk. So your asset allocation is really important to you. Um, I guess the next thing that we start to look on here, uh, it starts to talk about performance and we've got a bunch of charts and some names again. Anything yeah. on that mean, <laughs> anything on there mean anything to you at all? Uh, no, uh, it doesn't look like it's written English most of it. Um, Obviously, I understand the chart has dropped hugely because of coronavirus. I can see that. Yeah. Um, it's sort of steadily going up and then plummeted down in around, I don't know, March 2020. Yeah. But no, um, you know, this sort of thing, I, I, I don't think I'd even open. I, don't think, I didn't even know this existed, this whole, yeah. this whole chart. So. Uh, and this is, uh, so... What you're commenting for in there is the chart is more informative than perhaps the, the information that sits underneath. And, yeah. and you're right, the chart that we're looking at here uh, looks at past performance of the investment that you've got in your pension. And it shows a sort of a, a roughly squiggly line going upwards uh, for the previous four or five years and then a sharp drop in, mm. in recent times. And you're right, uh, it's to do with the coronavirus. Actually, if we look at this, uh, in March, we can see that there was a fall in value of some 25 to 30% of the right. value of your money. So if we take your £900 yeah. and we rewind back to March, if we'd have had £900 in there at that point in time, we might have found in the space of a month or so that had fallen by roughly 30%, 35%, so somewhere down to about £600 there or thereabouts. Right, yeah. Which is quite a big difference uh, in value. What we've seen is a steady recovery in that, and it's now perhaps down around 10% from, from where it was back at the beginning of March. Yeah, it's promising. So, uh, which is better. Where I talk about the level of risk, uh, and I've just got a, an example here, uh, this is a low-risk investment. So if we were to look at the, the, the same chart here, what, what we can see is between February and March this year, this fund that we're looking at uh, fell by about 10% in value. So far less than the 30% that your fund fell uh, back in March with the onset of the coronavirus. So 
a lower risk fund when things are going not so well is less likely to fall um, as much as a higher risk fund. Right, yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. What you then need to look at, so if we look at short-term performance, that's fair enough. Um, but what we said earlier is over the longer run, uh, a higher risk fund should reward you uh, with a better return. So if we start to look at some of the detail here, what we've got is a statement that says cumulative performance. Uh, and we can see that over the last five years, this fund that you're invested in actually went up by 40% or just over 40% in value. Yeah. It's much, much better than what you would get in a bank or building society. And it's your reward for taking that higher level of risk. Mm -hmm. If we compare and contrast it to the uh, very cautious investment or the more cautious investment that I've got up here on a separate chart, we can see that over the last five years, that fund has only gone up just over 20%. Yeah. Half as much uh, as what you what, what you would have it's had. The higher risk one. Uh, it's the yeah. higher risk one. Now, those variances are quite significant. They're not guaranteed. So, you know, over the next five years, they're not guaranteed to repeat but what we can see is that the level of risk that you take with your pension investments can have quite a material difference. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does make sense. Yeah. Um, so looks to me, I don't know, as a youngster, I'm more inclined to take a higher risk. Well, you might you might argue that if you're younger, if certainly if you're looking at your own retirement, uh, then you might argue if you're accepting of the fact that you're going to have some of these highs and lows along yeah. the way, such as we've had from coronavirus, you might argue that over the longer run, you would be well rewarded um, or you could hope to be well rewarded for, for taking that higher risk. And we can start to see that by uh, getting those much better investment returns, that's really going to help the money that you've got invested um, generate a better return over time. So what we, we had a look at this, didn't we, Jack, um, prior to, to you coming on? So if we took your £900 that you've got saved at the moment uh, and we invested for the next 40 years and made a regular contribution such as you're paying in at the moment, a lower risk fund, uh, we evidenced a sort of return that might build up a capital sum of around 120000 by the time you, you retire, whereas the higher risk fund... Uh, if we applied that moving forward, we might end up with a figure of somewhere around 250,000. So yeah. almost, well, in fact, over double, over double yeah. the amount just by looking at the level of risk that you have with your pension fund. As I say, and as the regulator would say, it can't be guaranteed. No. But what we can see is that the level of risk is single-handedly the most important thing that you can look at when you're starting to think about your own investments. Right. You must ask yourself whether you're happy to accept the highs and lows, um, but if you are, uh, you can see the benefits that can be driven out. Right. So if we were saving for retirement, um, any idea on the amount of money that we might need um, once we get to retirement, perhaps arguably to have um, a sort of a secure income that you would be happy with? Um, not off the top of my head, I'm not going to say that. Yeah, um, but I, I suppose if you wanted, if you were wanted sort of around, I don't know, forty thousand a year. I don't yeah. know how much you need in a pension pot. But definitely yeah. a lot more than nine hundred quid. Yeah. So yeah. if we were retiring today and you wanted forty thousand pound, 
Um, certainly we'd be talking about, and it's important to remember, you don't just have to have money in your pension. It could be savings, yeah. could be rental property, could be a range of different assets. Uh, but certainly what you would be looking at is saying that you need somewhere around, as a very broad statement, around one and a half million, something of that nature. Yeah. Uh, that then has a very reasonable chance uh, of giving you a level of return that could drive the sort of income that you need. Yeah. Really importantly as well, it, it would have a chance to be, um, to ensure that as you move through retirement, and inflation affects the level of spending that you need to have. So that 40000 would need to go up through retirement because yes. the cost of living goes up. Uh, you would find that you would need somewhere around that one and a half million. So Which, very yeah, huge, hugely supports the fact that young people need to start saving sooner than retirement. Uh, uh, yeah, I would, I would say that if we start thinking of that quantum of figure, people would be very concerned. Um, yeah, which is a figure that no one's ever told me. I don't know if, if any other younger listeners have been told that, but certainly I was never told of that figure so, throughout school. And of course, younger people these days, you know, they may benefit from an inheritance. They may benefit from, um, you know, a career that develops mm. sort of other pension arrangements that they, um, you know, they don't have to contribute to. Uh, we shouldn't forget things like the state pension. So mm. the state pension, I don't know if you have any idea what you might be entitled to. No, not, not really. Yeah, so it's a very broad statement again. Uh, current state pension is around 8500 a year, right. making the assumption that you work for or have national insurance credits for 35 years of your working career. Um, I guess the issue for you, current state pension age is 67 Right. Uh, what's very, very likely to happen is that that state pension age will continue to increase and you may well find you're into your 70s before you uh, you get the benefit of a state pension. So, yeah, so uh, yeah, and this comes back to this notion, I guess, a very popular thing. You mentioned travelling, um, yeah. and I don't blame you for that. It sounds like a really good thing to do. But what happens is your career ends up starting later than it might have done 20 or 30 years ago. Yeah. Uh, 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 but what's likely to happen at the other end, your career is likely to continue longer than people who, who, who perhaps were working 20 or 30 years ago. Yeah. So I guess, um, you know, whistle-stop tour, I guess, of your statement that yeah. you've got here, uh, and it certainly wouldn't answer everything, um, but I would be saying to, to younger listeners, Absolutely, they should be looking at the level of risk that they should be um, taking on board with their pension arrangements. They should be looking at starting saving uh, as soon as they can. Certainly, the notion of auto-enrolment is a good thing, uh, and they should embrace that when starting with uh, an employer. Uh, They should not be afraid of the information. They should engage with that. There's a range of places you can go. So the money advice service, you can go, you can go yeah. there, get information around pensions. Um, citizens advice would provide information. Of course, a financial advisor would be able to provide you very specific guidance regarding your own circumstances. Um, but in this instance, Scottish Widows, we're just on their website here you can start to see there's a reasonable amount of information that you can look through. Yeah, already it's, just by just by sitting here in the retirement gym, I've learned quite a lot. So I think it's, um, you know, certainly dis- wouldn't discount what's available on the uh, what's available on the internet. So I think from 
the purpose of speaking today, uh, from, from my perspective, is really to try and help younger people understand the important bits of information that might come up on their sort of pension statements, what they can do to drive out a, a little bit of a difference. Jack, hopefully that's been helpful. Definitely. Um, before you go, I've got three questions that I've asked. Three. Right. All people who've attended uh, the podcast, so uh, they're nothing to do with pensions, really. Oh. Uh, they're just to give a bit of a flavour into your own insight. But <laughs> favourite day of the week? Favourite day of the week? Um, well, it's got to be Friday. Got to be Friday right now. Friday. The whole weekend ahead of you. Yeah. So uh, I understand you're waiting to start a new job in September. So it's uh, every day, not a Friday. Just to well, well, it's better. To, I think it's better to work and then have a Friday. It feels a lot better. Yeah. So there's nothing like the release at the end nothing of the like week. The release, yeah. But uh, if you're down the pub and you have one piece of advice to your fellow students. Yeah. Uh, or fellow youngsters, what would it be? It would be um, think about how much you're spending on your uh, pints because you're think about long term. It would be a. Uh, it's better to make an. It's better to make a friend out of an enemy than it is to make an enemy out of a friend. Very sage. Where did you get that from? <laughs> I just came up with it. I literally <laughs> just thought of it right now. <laughs> uh, and I tell you, so your funeral song. Funeral song, God. So it's reti- I'm retiring. Out, I'm right, just on this, you on the I've retired you oh, and, <laughs> and killed you off. All right, my funeral song, um, probably Ness and Dorma by uh, Luciano Pavarotti. <laughs> probably the Italian ninety version, the oh, live version. Oh, I think you're. Uh... I thought you were winding me up. <laughs> I thought you were going to say. I don't know. I haven't thought that far. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something like Eminem or something. <laughs> Jack, thanks very much for coming on. Appreciate that. No worries. Cheers. So, thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like any of the resources or charts that we spoke about, they can be found at carpenterboxfa.com forward slash retirement gym. If you'd like to talk about your own retirement savings, you can be contacted on 01903 534 587. Thanks very much.